Hey everyone, welcome to the World Lad Podcast. I'm James Marshall and as always, this episode is brought to you by Pure Sports CBD and Fortune Favours Beer. And make sure that you stay tuned to the end of this episode to see how you can get involved with either of these two great products. But let's crack into this one. As I've got an absolute lad ready to share some laddish stories. For you Kiwis who don't follow English Premiership, the name might not ring a bell. But for all of you English Premiership fans, well... Um, it still might not ring a bell to you, but promise you that this guy is an absolute lad and a very talented young rugby player who is about to explode onto the English Premiership scene. When he gets a chance, it is, of course, young Jacob Snakeib Atkins. Welcome, Snake. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Tony. Um, mate, I'm surprised you got time to chat to me at the moment. Haven't you just had number three? I have indeed, mate, but we've always got time for you the talented man that is the snake. So what's happening over there anyway? Um, what's the situation with COVID and um, the rugby? I uh, I don't know if much of your listeners in New Zealand are following what's going on in the UK, but we are still very, very much in national lockdown. Um, it's a bit of a shambles, mate. Um, they've, they've, uh, they've totally fucked it up. Um, the cases are still high. So it is literally a case at the moment, mate, of, Go in, train, go home. Don't leave your house unless you go to the shops. True. I don't know what that was called for you guys, but it's tier, tier four or five here, I don't remember. But you're still allowed to train. Yep, yeah, yeah, so professional sports, still allowed to go on. Um, so we're allowed to go in and, and train and do all our normal stuff, yeah. And that's just normal, you can be 15 or 15, there's no restrictions around training or anything like that? Um, masks in the gym, meetings outside, um, Training's all normal, but you're not allowed face-to-face contact. So actually, in the last couple of weeks, they banned face-to-face celebrations. Oh yeah, Um, yeah. Which is, I was on the bench for one of the games in the European Cup, and uh, one of the boys scores under the sticks, and I run over, jump right on him, pretty much kiss him in the face, (laughs) a real screaming in his face. Back off, uh, bloke goes down with COVID two days later, <laughs> and I have to self isolate. And they're sending out the footage like, "Oh, this guy, uh, yeah, needs to go." <laughs> so they banned they banned face to face celebrations. <laughs> oh, is that what um, Curtis Rona's celebration was? All yeah, about did you, did you see it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did the old yeah, I think you can get, get fined. I think you can get fined. Teams can get fined and stuff if if uh, players uh, take the piss of it. The team does, or the player. Hopefully the team. Yeah. <laughs> be Hopefully the there, team. You've got <laughs> but what about the um, competition? What's that? What's the setup there like? How far through the season are you, and how the game's been going? Yeah, mate. So the premierships, it's it's hard to keep track of how many rounds we're actually in because there've been a couple of games that have been cancelled due to COVID. Basically, if any team gets any positive cases their game is cancelled. They have to be contact traced to the team they played last. So potentially their game could then get cancelled as well. Um, We had two games we lost to COVID because we had uh, a few positive tests um, for two weeks. Um, Most teams have had at least one. Either they've had positive tests or the team they're playing has had a positive test. So it is hard to keep track of actually how many rounds we're through. But I think think it's eight. But there's some teams have played eight. Some teams have played six. Yeah, uh, but you guys have moved to Brentford Stadium now. So how's that been? Yep, yeah, yeah, mate. It's um, it's real cool. I mean, before we were at Majeski, which was a great stadium, but yeah. kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, the the new stadium in Brentford is, you know, it's a brand new stadium, uh, state of the art facility, just outside central London. It's 
oh, it's gun, mate. It's, uh, it's such a nice facility. We managed to get out there uh, in pre-season to play like an in-housey um, to get a feel for it, which, uh, which was so cool. And then we haven't actually, oh no, we've had fans in once. Sure. Uh, of all the games we played this season, we had fans in for the one week yeah. that uh, the lockdown was eased here. Uh, we were allowed 2,000 fans in and it was it was brilliant, mate. It was really, really good. And the week after, we were told we weren't allowed fans anymore. So uh, it's strange playing in a brand new stadium with no one in it, but um, I'm sure it'll be rocking when uh, when this thing gets sorted. Yeah, because your fans will be battling with that, because eh? that's one thing I definitely remember over there is how passionate those London Irish fans were, even when we're in the championship far out we were getting massive turnouts and everyone was still like right behind the side I could only imagine what they'll be like now and then to have this restriction that would just be absolutely killing them yeah 100% like they must be they must be the most loyal fans in England you reckon like being through multiple relegations and promotions following us up and down the country to grounds in the middle of nowhere like like you said I remember we every time we'd go to Pirates it'd be stacked out like four or five thousand fans would have made an eight hour round trip or whatever to yeah. to come and watch us play in a game that had no effect on whether we were going to win the comp or not um, it was class so yeah it's, it, it's, it's a club that's really important to lots of people and like you said I think especially during lockdown at the moment there'll be a lot of people that uh, are pretty gutted they can't be there uh, luckily, they've on BT Sport. They've started showing all the games, awesome. so you can go on like the red button and watch every single game. Um, so hopefully, there won't be too many fans that aren't actually able to see the stuff. But it's yeah, it'd be good to get them back soon. And your um, form? I mean, you still every time I look at the team sheet, I'm always disappointed not to see Big Jake getting a run. Another sort <laughs> of frustrating year for you so far in that respect. It is frustrating, like you say. Like it, it would be, it would be good to be involved more um, in terms of playing time. But it's it's a strange one for me at the moment. Makes I feel really, really confident in my game. Um, when I have had my opportunities, uh, I think I've gone well. I feel like I I know my game really well, and I'm really confident with with my skills and um, my decision making and stuff. So it's kind of like on the one hand, I feel really good about myself and about my game and really confident uh, and on the other hand it's like well I'm not playing that much you know it's a bit frustrating yeah. um, you don't know what it's like because you're fast track as but <laughs> like lots and lots of the people listening will know what it's like when you're not playing it is it can be a bit of a battle yeah mate you're only 23 aren't you yeah, 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 20, yeah, 23. Yeah, so, yeah, I definitely not cracked it by 23, so you've still got lots of time. I can tell you that I was not fast-tracked oh. like you think. <laughs> thank God, thank God. <laughs> you are just pretty much waiting for your opportunity, aren't you, to get some regular game time and then yeah. um, let England see what a talented 10 they have sitting on their, <laughs> sitting in their squad. Yeah, like, like COVID actually ended up being pretty good for me last year because um, they had to end up doubling up some weeks. So you'd have like Saturday game, Wednesday game, Sunday game. Yeah. So I, so I got a few starts and stuff at the back end of last season, which was good. But um, yeah, it'd be good to get a few more soon. And the, talk me through the hair. Obviously, that was a big decision that was always on your <sighs> um, always on your mind from a young age. You had the you were vulnerable to a bit of lasagna at an early age and you've decided to just get rid of that threat and shave it all off. So how talk me through that decision and how tough that was. Well, what, what do you think about my look at the moment, boss? I'm 
going after sort of styled on my my hero Ben Franks like kind of <laughs> you definitely look like Ben Franks you pulled that off <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no the lasagna I mean you're getting on now Jimmy you're not catching any lasagna or are you still all good no I'm still you've got good. a cap on most I, days yeah. the famous black cap so yeah. I don't know if you've I don't know if you've actually got a bit of lasagna. No, I'm all right with the lasagna. It's just the full-on full greys for me, which is the danger, which is oh, basically why I wear the that's cap all, all the time. But, yeah, the lasagna is always a dangerous spot with when the sun's out. I know it's not sunny over there at the moment. Yeah, but... yeah Mike Coman, another famous victim of a, of a lasagna in the summer. Yeah, for those people who don't um, know what a lasagna is, it's um, when you get burnt in the vulnerable patches around where the receda starts to form and, um, some people get caught out pretty pretty heavily. I remember you get caught out a few times, but um, if it starts oh, yeah. peeling or crusting, it almost looks like a little bit of lasagna in the top of your head. So um, that sort of <laughs> caught on. And um, I think most people around the world refer to it as lasagna if they get some burnt up there now. So um, well, They will do now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny you bring that up though. Like it, I've I had my head shaved for a couple of years now. Um, we've got a good crew of bald lads at Irish now, Billy Meeks over another bald icon, oh, yeah. uh, Ollie Hoskins as well. Yeah. So there's there's a bit of a good crew of us. But, mate, I remember back in the day, like one day I just came into training and Gordy Reed, like it was actually in the middle of a 15 on 15 session that I whistled blue or whatever and went into drill. He literally just walked past me. He was like, mate, please just, just come around mine tonight. I'll make you some dinner. We'll have a chat. I'll shave your head. <laughs> It'll be the best thing you ever do. And then uh, I was like, oh. All right, I did. Went round. He was living with Saya, Fyanga, and um, <laughs> went round, had dinner with them, shaved my head, and then never looked back, mate. What do you reckon? No, I like it. I do think it was a good decision. I mean, you were just hanging on. I think some people hang on for too long, but you've you've made the call pretty early. It must have been what twenty two when you decided. Then were you? Twenty one. Twenty one. I think. Twenty one. Yeah. Oh, so young, but oh, no regrets. Look at that. <laughs> And do you think it's helped your form at all? Hard to tell because you haven't been playing, but... Um, I've gotten stronger since. Yeah. Maybe that's because I've gotten older, but maybe, I don't know. Franksy. I'm stronger. Franksy, there you go, yeah. <laughs> Loving the gym, now I'm bald. Um, has it helped my game? No. Yeah. No. I'd like to say, like, maybe it maybe seem a bit tougher or whatever, but anyone that's watched my clips has not fallen for that. <laughs> <laughs> you need to take your head. <sighs> I don't know. God, that might be the end of my career if I start doing that, Jim. Jeez. If I ever start taping my head, give me a ring and tell me sack it in. <laughs> I know we used to joke about it, but you um do you think the coaches know how young you are? Because I mean I you always look a lot older than you were. Like twenty one, hardly any hair left. Do you think the coaches know that you're only actually twenty three? Um well, I mean, uh, at Irish the, the turnover of players, mate, has been so high. The only players that have been there longer than me are Blair Cowan and uh, Ollie Hoskins at the same same time as Theo. Theo Brophy Clues was signed the year before me. Yeah. But other than that, mate, like I've been there longer than most people and I'm 23. So it's actually a thing. I do think sometimes when I go in for a meeting with Decky, I think about that. Like, how can I actually slip in that I'm not 29-year-old, 30-year-old battler here? Like, just in, just in case he thinks I am. <laughs> Are you in the leadership groups and stuff? No, 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 no. Yeah. Now, we've got, uh, there's, uh, there's like four lads in our leadership group. Oh, yeah. Very select crew. 
In- anyway, let's go back to the start for the young Jacob Atkins. When did you? Um, when did the snake first wriggle out of his egg? Talk me through that. Um, so I'm going to out- outline this whole section by saying my family are massive code heads. Um, like my, my brother's a professional player as well, plays Irish. He signed a year after you left, I think. You now, never played with him, did I you? I remember your brother because Moose still gives me shit to this day about him dominating me on a hit shield one, one training. <laughs> yes, yes. He was in the academy and he came in and trained with us. Yeah, that's right. And Moose yeah, yeah. still, he's into me all the time about it, how he just absolutely buoyed me. I just wasn't really expecting, you know, how you some most guys you've got gentleman agreements with, especially me, like I was not a massive <laughs> and he's just coming a hundred and absolutely smoked me and me was watching from the sideline just cracking up and I was like, Oh, I need to get out of this. <laughs> Jeez, I remember I remember going into the changing room after that and just getting absolutely heckled by the boys, like, Oh Snake, he's got shooters out here trying to take out the other Thames. Like he just wants game time. He sent his brother out here to fill Jimmy in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did oh, you have a part stuff. of that? Maybe you did. Now that you mentioned, no, 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 because no. I did build up a bit of a reputation there because yeah. of a few unfortunate. There was a few unfortunate incidents in a row, wasn't there? I, I kicked a ball in Steely's face and knocked him out. Oh, that's right. And then I injured yeah. somebody else in a training game because I fell on their knee. And then there was like three in a row or something, something like that. And then everyone started saying that I was out trying to uh, injure people to get a game. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyway, let's get back but, um, to childhood. Yeah, yeah, let's get back, let's get back. So, um, yeah, I remember my, my old man was a big fan, had always uh, always been a big rugby fan, and he, I'm kind of part of that generation in England where, like, uh, we won the World Cup in 2003, yeah. and then my old man would have taken me down to my local club in maybe 2004. I don't know if that's, that's right on the money with the numbers, but it was about there sort of off the back of Johnny Wilkinson and, you know, the Rugby World Cup win and all that. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, went down to my local club, played there, was real average, like real skinny kid. Like all my memories from that time were just of being cold all the time, like shivering, not wanting to be there. <laughs> but I loved, I loved rugby. Um, we were, we were season ticket holders at London Irish. Um, my, uh, my old man used to, uh, through, through like work, get a couple of tickets for the England game. So every now and then if uh, like uh, one of his colleagues dropped out or whatever, I'd managed to sneak in a, to, to a Six Nations game or something like absolutely loved it. Yeah. And then uh, went through school, just went, I went to just a normal state secondary school uh, here in the UK, but it just happened by pure chance to be a school that ended up having a really good couple of years of rugby teams uh johnny williams was in the year above me yeah. um obviously in the wales squad now uh, jack cook was in my year who's um in the london irish squad with me now um and there was a couple of other guys that have, have gone on and become like real good club players um and then our, our rugby coach at, at the school again like this is a little state school that is you know in the middle of nowhere um our coach was a, a really good rugby coach he's uh, actually one of the academy coaches at London Irish now oh, yeah. and um, so we, we all kind of from 11 till 16 were playing uh, rugby there and we'd go around and play all the big private schools and we'd, we'd end up pumping a lot of the private schools um, uh, I made a few county teams and rep teams and stuff but I was never I was never gun like just uh, just love the game uh, proper noise um, love <laughs> working on my kicking and my passing and all that kind of stuff. So 
um, went through. And then uh, when you get to, to 16, and I, I, I don't know much about your system over there, but in the UK, you kind of there's two pathways to get into a premiership team. You either go to or get a scholarship at one of the big private schools and go play first 15 rugby, or um, there are these programs called ACE programs. Yeah. Do you remember hearing about those when you were over here? Yeah. And basically the way they work is their programs, each premiership team runs a program where they're linked with a college and um, players uh, can go there, do their A-levels um, or BTEC qualifications alongside training in a full-time professional environment at the club's training ground. So when I was 16, um, the, the year before me, Johnny had gone and done the programme and I'd seen he was going real good and um, yeah, his career was really starting to take off. So I thought, you know, what, what do I have to lose? Uh, tried for that um, and ended up yeah, moving to Sunbury, just around the corner from um, the, the London Irish training ground. Uh, moved in with a, a family. Uh, so I lived in digs, um, like a, a local family, like took me in. I had like a bedroom there. Sure. They were they were brilliant, like really became like my second family, like uh, fed me real good. Yeah, re- really nice people. So I lived with them for two years, um, which at 16 was a bit difficult, I guess, moving away from home and sort of, yeah, being separated from your support network a little bit. But so how far were you think, from your home? Um, only like an hour, yeah. but when you can't drive and you're 16, it's, <laughs> it's quite quite far. Yeah. Um, and obviously like not going home to mum every night is, you know, it's... It's different. It's something I'd never done before. Yeah. Um, and I think that actually really helped me getting away from home and away from my comfort zone and stuff. I kind of just thought, well, I'm here. Like, I might as well throw myself all in. Um, so, like, properly threw myself all into that program. So, you know, I was training every day in the program. I was getting in extra training with uh, Decky Danaher was the running the program at that time. And James Lightfoot-Brown was the... The, um, the backs coach there, so yeah. two really good coaches who now both work with our first team. Um, I just remember spending my whole time um, in them off, trying to get them to do extra stuff with me, trying to you know ask you know why I wasn't getting picked in, uh, you know if I wasn't playing for the academy team at the weekend or or whatever. And um, yeah, went through that. Just I think I, I really improved quickly in that program. It is kind of one of those like fast programs where it's full on you're training five days a week you're playing a game against other premiership programs every week and you, you do kind of either sink or swim you either a lot of the guys actually end up finding out they don't like rugby and yeah. really turn their back on it and sadly like some of the guys never end up playing club rugby or they just go to union sack it all in yeah or you get guys on the other end of the spectrum that are just like this is for me i want to be a professional rugby player uh, and throw themselves fully into it and it's is the best way to fast track yourself into that program, I think. Yeah. So then from that program and all the local private schools in the area, so I guess this is where it's similar to, to your uh, system over in New Zealand, the, the best players from uh, the ACE program and the private schools will get put into the academy team. And then that academy team of 15, 23 players, they go out and play in the academy premiership. And then the best players from that team get signed onto senior academy contracts, which is when they start their training with the first team. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I was in the ACE team, like didn't make the academy team in my first year. Like, towards the end of the season, I started getting on the bench a bit, but like really wasn't really in the mix. Um, and then in my second year, I made the academy team and just happened to be in a stacked team. Like um, 
we we had an absolutely stacked team. We had um, uh, it was a cookie in the back row with Isaac, uh, Rory Brand at nine, me at ten, uh, Joe Cockenasiga and Benny Loader on the wings, yeah. Matty Williams, Theo, Ollie Hassel Collins, Tom Parton was like our backline, a combination of that stuff. And um, yeah, we we won the academy premiership and. Um, seven of those boys got offered contracts at like Christmas. I didn't get offered one. Uh, there's a couple of other guys that didn't get offered one. Um, and I remember being pretty gutted, but I was getting told, you know, oh, look, you're in the shop window, you know, you're working hard. Like, I, I kind of always took it as like, oh, you're not that good, but like you work really hard. So you're in the shop window because you work really hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I smashed my ankle up real bad. Um, I uh, kind of got my nose through the line on the start of play, like went to try and get my hands free. And just remember, you know those ones where you get one high, one low, and you just, your ankle gets folded? Yeah. Um, so it was real bad. Like, yeah, separated my foot, um, broke my ankle, um, and I knew I was going to be out for, for six months. Six months. And I remember um, thinking, like, well, it's Christmas. I'm going to be out for six months. I've not been offered a contract yet, like this is probably going to be it for me. Like I'm going to go to university and have a crack at playing club and trying to work my way up to the what age were you here? So I would have been 17 or 18. Oh yeah. And I remember just being like, yeah, yeah like, this is, this is done for me. Um, and then that night when I got home from the hospital, um, Decky down here gave me a ring and was like, look mate, like I've gutted to see your seasons over. <clears throat> Don't like lose hope. I'm I'm going to push really hard here for for you uh, in the academy coaches meetings and he's like I'm really going to have you back here but like in return I need you to smash this rehab and go in and show Kendo and the uh, the other guys in the academy the academy coaching team that like you're going to be super professional he was like you obviously can't play so go in and so show you are going to be super professional. So I was like coming in before school, doing gym, doing like multiple rehab sessions a day, um, just doing anything like, and you know, like the classic, like going in, like just making sure Kendo sees you when you're walking in the gym and stuff like that. Like, morning Kendo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Morning Kendo, how are you boss? Yeah, just going in. That was the third session of the day. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, and then, um, yeah, I managed to get back uh, a couple of weeks early from from when I was expected, and I managed to get myself on the bench for an A League game, which is uh, it's, it's a Premiership reserve comp, so it's young guys, guys coming back from injury stuff like that. Um, managed to get myself on the bench for that. Came on for like five minutes, like touched the ball twice, tried to throw a triple knife, <laughs> uh, threw it into touch. Like, but I just remember being like, I've got myself back for this game that I shouldn't have been playing in. Like, maybe there's a chance, like, maybe. Um, and then uh, Kendo pulled me in and was like, "Look, mate, we've uh, we've seen you obviously want this bad. Like, oh, we're going to give you this contract. It sucks. It's absolute peanuts. You come in, do preseason with the first team. Like, uh, in in senior academy, you do preseason with the first team. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Here you go. And I remember just being like, "Oh, this is my chance. This is my chance." Yeah. Like, um, and then just like threw myself fully into that preseason. Uh, did everything uh, a million miles an hour, um, which ended up holding me back a little bit because they were like, "Chill out, you're way too stressed. You need to be playing ten. You need to be you need to be calm and relaxed, please." Um, but in that season, I think by by the end of that preseason, they they extended me onto a proper secure contract, and 
um, I was kind of underway and uh, working up towards the first team. And I got a few games that season, met, met Jimmy Marsh, took me under his wing, taught me how to stay square. Um, <laughs> and, and I ended up playing a couple of games. The next season, I played a few more games. And then uh, eventually I signed my first senior contract uh, two seasons ago. How good. But you've been loaned out to a couple of um, championship sides too as well, haven't you, to get a little yeah, bit yeah. more game time? How have they been? Yeah, for sure, mate. Our class, I loved it. Um, like I'm one of those oh, all players. I like it. You just want to play. Yeah. Like training's good, and and you you can try and challenge yourself and make make little competitions for yourself in training. But it's it's not the same. And um, I guess we're lucky in England that we've got a uh, sort of a clear structured system where if you're at a Premiership club and you're not playing, you can go get laid out to a Championship club or a National One club if you're a bit younger, and um, go play club rugby. So I played for some teams that mate absolutely loved it. Like um, I played for a team called Rams. Uh, they're in National One. They're trying to push themselves to get to the championship now. In my first season, I went there. Like the most I've ever enjoyed playing rugby, mate. Proper club rugby. Proper good lads. Proper good diesel. <laughs> like they and they sent it every weekend, mate. So hard. I remember being like this. Like I was first started playing for them when I was like seventeen. Being this like little lad at the back of the bus like and like they're on a trip back from Cornwall or whatever because in that South England pool you play everyone so imagine like the Pirates away trip these lads are sending it like doing like like butt funnels and all that and I'm just there in the back like (laughs) Um, and then the the next season I got loaned out to a slightly better team and then the season after that I got loaned out to a slightly better team played for played for Bedford and London Scottish and um, ended up playing a decent amount of champ rugby um, it's really good. It's a if you're not fast track and you're not playing in the Premiership when you're 19, it's a, it's a really good way to learn your trade, and um, you, you end up meeting some class lads that like you have such a good time with while you're trying to also improve as a player. It's a it's a really good way to develop, I think. Yeah. So how does that work? You still had to train with London Irish, but then you'd get loaned out on what uh, <sighs> Thursday night or something. It's tough. It's tough. A lot of it depends on the schedule of the team you're going to. So if you're going to uh, let's say a national one team or some of the championship teams, they run a proper club rugby schedule. So train Tuesday nights, train Thursday nights, play Saturday. Yeah. So you do like your whole training week with Irish and then Tuesday and Thursday nights go also do an evening training oh, session okay. with those teams yeah. and then front up for them on Saturday and then be back in a Monday morning for uh, with Irish. Um, some of the other teams like Bedford and London Scottish, they're full-time professional teams. So it would be a case of like Monday I'd be in with Irish, Tuesday and with Scottish, Thursday and with Scottish, Friday team run play, oh, yeah. come back in on Monday at Irish. And then you'd, uh, you do end up getting a little, if it's not well organised, you do end up being all over the place. Like I remember one day I was on, <laughs> I was in the car driving to Scottish training at like 11am and uh, you were probably in the massage room or whatever. And <laughs> I remember getting a call from BV being like, where are you? And I was like, uh, BV, I'm on loan at London Scottish. Like I'm playing for them this weekend. That's why I'm there. And he was like, get into Hazelwood now. I've got no 10s for training. <laughs> and I was like, oh, but BV, like this is a Tuesday. We're preparing for a big game. Like I'm starting at the weekend for this club. And he was like, no, get in now. <laughs> so I had like, a full handbrake turn straight back to Hazelwood. <laughs> Come in, train, call the London Scottish coach, apologise as to why I couldn't be there <laughs> to train for this game I'm playing in at the weekend. <laughs> so who did you play for? Did you play for like London Irish? No, I, 
Uh, for London, no, you would have been playing. I, oh. I, it would have, BV wanted me in to train because he had no sense of training. Oh, true. <laughs> and I think it was train to run Northampton's plays. Oh, yeah. Like, I think I think someone might have been at 10 for Irish, but he didn't have a 10 to run Northampton's plays. And he was oh, like, yeah. get here now. <laughs> oh, classic. <sighs> And your goal kicking is another thing I wanted to talk about because you're obviously like a guru goal kicker, 95 plus percent. Just obviously haven't had um, the big stage to show how quality you are at goal kicking. And I know there's a lot of people, especially Flying Finn, etc., who want to know a little bit more detail about your kicking um, routine. So talk me about your goal kicking routine. How'd you get so good? Um, <laughs> thanks, Jim. That's very kind, mate. Um, I think oh, I cut my teeth around some of the best in training, mate. What about the kicking king, Tommy Bell? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> that's a hell of a guy to learn under. Um, no, I think for me, I've, I've worked with some, some top kicking coaches and, and I've learned a lot from them. I've been really lucky and had some opportunities to work with some guys like Charlie Hodgson, for example, like just off the top of my head, who's, you know, I think he's either the top premiership point scorer or he's second or something. I had an opportunity to work with him and uh, I think I took a lot out of those in terms of improving my technique and learning more about my technique. But actually, I think the best kicking coach I've ever worked with is James Eifert Brown because the way I always instantly go to process things is to like massively overthink them and overanalyze them mm. and end up trying too hard. And whenever I was kicking with him, he used to always just be like, mate, boot the ball through the posts like put the oval in the rectangle like it's not hard to bang it and he always used to say to me like if I was in a kicking session he'd just walk over and just go stand and bang stand and bang like just smack it as hard as you can I think because he knew that I was putting in the work like the foundation work to have a good technique at a young age and and he knew that I was thinking about all these things he'd just come over to me and be like when you're practicing forget about that like just bang it bang it and then it, it kind of got me into a place where I became really relaxed with kicking I sort of saw it as just like we're just kicking the ball through the post mm. Like, yeah, I think so many guys can get bogged down and like, where's my foot? And where's my chest? Like, you know, I've, I've seen you, believe it or not, I've seen you hit some good ones. And uh, <laughs> I, have, I have. No one will and believe you know when you, you know when you hit a good one, mate, you never go into it thinking like, all oh, right, plant foot, tall chest, shift my weight through, and then yeah. it excels through the post and you're like, oh, brilliant. But whenever you do that, you end up like squirting it out to the right. Like when you when you go into it just like thinking about nothing and you just smack it it's clean um and that's when you hit your best kicks i think something i learned was maybe less is more a bit sometimes and actually spending three hours out there practicing your technique can actually make you worse whereas doing 20 minutes 30 minutes regularly putting yourself under lots of pressure in terms of doing competitions against other players like we used to love kicking comps at irish when you were there um we used to go real good in those you used to go real good in those. I, I went real good. <laughs> Do you I remember the, the, the one I'm referring to in particular? Because my, my hip was obviously real tired and I used to just have to start hobbling off the field as soon as I saw those. See, but this was, this was the thing, mate. I don't, because you didn't moan and you wouldn't make a big deal about it, I don't think most of the boys knew this. Because I remember finding out your hip was fucked and being like, what? <laughs> because you're not the, you're not the kind of guy that would like moan and be like oh geez my hip is sore today like i can't do this extra you just kind of like s- quietly sneak off <laughs> just smoke but i don't actually think, I don't, gone, <laughs> yes you made smoke bomb king i don't actually think that anybody knew that you had a shag tip oh that's good <laughs> i guess well it's not maybe we need to tell them that's why i wasn't doing those three hour extras with you <laughs> Jeez. you used to be out on that field for a long time though and it's interesting hearing you talk about 
um, that might have been too much because I always thought that because you were um, out there for so long, that was probably why you were such a successful kicker. But it's interesting to hear you say that potentially less is more. I, I, I do believe that there's a, there's a balance. I think also like similar to you, there was a point sort of um, towards the end of my second year where I like shagged up my hip I, and my, um, I had osteitis pubis. Quite a few of the guys in the Southern Hemisphere get it. It's something that happens quite often when the pitches are really hard, Yeah. but it was one of the worst things I've ever had. It, basically, every time you go to run, every time you go to sprint and kick, it feels like somebody's stabbing you like in the bottom of your abs. And it's real bad. Like you can get like real sharp pains in your balls and stuff as well. Like it's real niggle injury. Um, and I started getting that and thinking like, oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing too much here. <laughs> like <laughs> this is not good because, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I can't get picked if I'm not fit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and all I want to do is get picked. So what am I doing? <laughs> um, I, I do like I said earlier. I do think that like. If you're out there for two hours, three hours, you're probably wasting most of your time. Nobody can be focused for three hours. Yeah, I think your best thing is to do half an hour tops, but super, super focused. Yeah, um, putting yourself under pressure and, and trying to challenge yourself to get better rather than just going through the motions for three hours. Geez, that's good advice from the kicking king. Well, number two, kicking king behind Tommy. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got my advice from the kicking king. I'm just passing it on. <laughs> Well, one thing that happens at London Irish is the old um, paddle. So you have to run the gauntlet if you, after your first game, you have to sing a song. Um, if you've listened to yeah. Mike Coman's podcast, he famously <laughs> got paddled trying to sing. Uh, what did he sing? Uh, Kelly, ignition. He just kept going again and again because he forgot the words. Yeah. So talk to me about your um, paddle experience. You would have got paddled for sure, no matter how good your song Oh, for, mate, I, I think I literally stepped up the front, picked up the microphone and just heard Naz at the back like, paddle, paddle. <laughs> um, oh, I can't remember. I actually can't remember what song I did. Oh, but I remember, remember going up after Tom Parton. Oh, yeah. who'd just done a real sketchy version of Take That Shine and hadn't got paddled. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is golden. Like, I'm a better singer than him. I've got better song choices than him. Like, I'll be fine. <laughs> Went up there, I swear to God, I sung like one verse. <laughs> and then boys are like smashing the chairs. Like, there's people frothing at the mouth. Like, paddle, paddle. Like, oh, yeah, took my shot off, ran down, caught, caught some serious slaps. I think Decky Danaher actually caught me the worst. I think he hit me with a shoe. Um, <laughs> run. I, I missed the back of the bus. I went to touch the back of the bus and somebody's caught me right between the shoulder blades and I fell. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I've, I've got to the back of the bus. I'll turn around. Yeah. Turned around, started running back towards the front. And then somebody's just gone, stepped in the alleyway. Who would it have been? Oh, probably Naz. And has gone, you didn't touch the back. Go back. And this whole time I'm just getting belted, belted, belted. I run back, touch the back of the bus, get back to the front of the bus again. So I end up doing nearly four lengths. My back is like probably bleeding. I'm this battered little like 70 kilo skinny kid. So after my first game, I'm thinking like, geez, when does it get good? That's <laughs> good. <laughs> like when it's not you it's brilliant it's the funniest thing in the world when yeah, it's not you yeah <laughs> so you honestly don't remember what did you what, what did you do i don't I, I wasn't there for your first one i did eminem lose yourself killed it <laughs> but a lot of it was you are popular um, who though you are. Are. yeah it is eh? a lot of it's who yeah. you are not what you sing but i was yeah there were boys ready to fill me in yeah yeah you could have you could have done a sam smith spectacular version of one of the live acoustics and you still would have got the pedal. 100%. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, geez, that was a good story. But uh, socials, another good part of London Irish that I remember over there. There's plenty of good socials because in New Zealand, you obviously have your end of season dues. The seasons are a lot shorter, sort of just builds up to um, a big end of season. Um, London Irish, you've got heaps of socials throughout the year to keep the boys entertained and keep a good bond over everyone. Um, any good social experiences or memories from you? Oh, we had some great ones, didn't we? We we were really lucky. We had <clears throat> some really good social teams that organised those things. I remember my first couple of years, it was was it Gillian Louie? Yeah. Geez, they organised some some good stuff. Uh, and then Steely and Seb took over for a little bit, and it was like it was loose, <laughs> but it was nowhere near as organised, nowhere near as smooth. Uh, and then the last couple of years, Matty Williams, uh, Pat Sillias took over for a bit, but yeah, it's been mainly Matty Williams. Uh, has been running it recently and mate he goes good organizing the good social actually uh, the first time i would have probably become pals with you would have been on uh <laughs> would have been on the christmas social oh yeah the legendary christmas social so um oh, geez gilly and louis were good at organizing these we basically got split the whole squad into uh, four teams yeah um and there was like a real good variety in each team like mix of ages a uh, mix of positions and stuff, maybe guys you wouldn't normally hang out with. And uh, each team got told to start at a certain location, which was pubs basically dotted across southwest London. So I remember rocked up to the, we were in, uh, no, we were in Orange Street, weren't we, in Richmond? Oh, you're testing my memory now. But yeah, <coughs> let's run with that. But, but we, were all in, we were all in Christmas fancy dress. Um, so we turned up there and then behind there, the barman or something had an envelope of the next place we had to go to. And then it was like a trail you had to yeah, right. all follow. And, and, and all the teams were following different trails that eventually met up at Winter Wonderland at the end. Um, and again, that would have been the first time I would have gone out with most of the lads. And we, mate, we had a loose team. We had, uh, we had Steely, Will Lloyd. you got to get him on. Jeez, he's got some stories. Um, you, George Robson. Uh, uh, who else do we have? Rano. He's not great value, but he's loose. Um, <laughs> Kibbo. Yeah. We have Kibbo as well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Kibbo. You've got a good um, memory. That, that was that was gun. We went really well for that. And then I remember towards the end of that social, it ended up in one of the weirdest situations of my life. I was like 18. I, bearing in mind, I've been like a London Irish fan for my whole life. I was like 18. And I ended up in a pub with three other people in the middle of nowhere in Kingston, you, Mike Coman and David Pace, oh, and five people there, and Seb, yeah, Seb was there as well, Seb yeah, the Chavez. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking like, how did I end up here? Like, I sat in, we're sat in this pub in the middle, so uh, towards the end of the social, we were, win, we were at Winter Wonderland or something, everybody start breaking up into yeah. their own little groups to go sort of find their way home via various alcohol establishments in London. Um, so we ended up at this one, and I remember you just being like, "Oh, stay, come with me. We're going to the brick layers. I'm going to find Moo because I think you'd been tasked with getting Moo home or something." Oh yeah, probably. So we got back to Kingston, spent ages on Google Maps trying to find this pub. Like, <laughs> eventually we found it. I think we stopped at an off-license on the way and got a few cans of like whatever disgusting thing they had to like keep us going. But I got to this pub, and the pub was pretty empty. It was a pretty shit pub. I remember thinking, "Why, why are the boys here?" Um, and walk in and Mike Coman and David Pace are battered playing darts in the corner so, so we walked over like start playing darts with the boys going right like, and we just kept getting brought these drinks and yeah. like like pints and, and then there was like some shots or something came around and I remember thinking like we're not no one's paid for these like and there's nobody in this pub like what's the crack here we were going on for ages now we played played darts for ages like 
I was I was steaming, but Mike and Pacey were cut <laughs> like they were absolutely out of it. And uh, I remember like a like someone comes like this man comes over to Pacey and it's like, oh look, Dave, I've, I'm going to lock up now, mate. You've got to go home. Like, can you tell your mates out? Yeah. <laughs> it's obviously the landlord. So Pacey's gone like, oh, don't worry, boys. Like, I've, I've got a nice bottle of whiskey back at my place. Like, uh, we'll go over there. Something go, oh, yeah, okay. Bit weird. I'm gonna end up at Pacey's house. I don't really know him. <laughs> Four a.m. He's like, he's like, he's like a 34-year-old battler at the time, and I'm like 18. This is my first night out with the lads. <laughs> so we walk out the front of the pub, and I'm thinking like, oh, we're gonna get an Uber or something. Like, how are we gonna get to Pacey's? He literally walks straight across the road, straight into the the house opposite the pub. Starts trying to put his key in the door. <laughs> So I'm like, all right, I started piecing together. This is obviously Pacey's local that we've ended up in. Yeah. <laughs> and we've gone straight back to his house. <laughs> Opens up the front door, like all the lights are off and stuff, going to the kitchen. And I remember he said something like, oh, let's keep it down. Like I've got a young baby or whatever. Like yeah, keep kids it down. Are sleeping, yeah. yeah, yeah. He just had a kid on me. And then he goes top shelf in the kitchen, pulls down a bottle of whiskey, goes to pass it to Moo. But like puts the bottle out in front of Moo. <laughs> Moo does nothing with his hands and just lets the bottle go and it smashes straight on the kitchen floor. And there's like this loud smash. I think we're still in the dark as well at this point. Smashes all over the floor and then there's this like awkward silence where everyone's like and then like slowly everyone kind of starts to relax a bit. Like Pacey starts laughing, like all the boys are like, this is funny. And I just remember the door, the kitchen door opening and just this woman coming in just going. David Pace, what the fuck are you doing? You've got a fucking three-month-old kid asleep in the next room and you're bringing these fucking idiots around to my fucking house. Get the fuck out of here. And I remember us bolting out the door and you just screamed like, good luck, Pacey. And then, uh, and then yeah, we were out of there. We got an Uber back to uh, Mike Coman's Teddington residence. Oh, geez, what a place. The mansion. Um, oh. <laughs> Ca- yeah. Carried him, carried, carried Moo into the door back there, and that's when I've got all those videos of uh, of uh, all the boys trying to undress Moo and get him into bed. <laughs> Look after him, get him in safely. Oh. oh, yeah. What a do! What a social. Oh, there were some good ones, mate. There were some good ones. And what about your um date with Big Philo Palo? <laughs> Fizzy P. Um, oh yeah, that was another good one. So we were in. We were. At, uh, We'd had a hard block of pre-season, hadn't we? It was like the first block of pre-season and uh, they'd organised like a long weekend trip for us to Bournemouth, which if you're not from the UK, Bournemouth's kind of like, kind of like a nothing seaside town kind of thing. <laughs> sort of like, no one really, like, I don't really know where it is. It's, yeah. So we, they carted the whole team off and all support staff and everyone for this like three day thing in Bournemouth. Um and like the first day we did like all the generic stuff, didn't we? Like, did we go out on the water? Did we go on? Oh, paddleboarding and stuff, I think. Did we go yeah, paddleboarding or right. jet skiing or like something like that the first day and it was freezing cold and everyone was hating it. Yeah, that's right. But the second day they'd organised um, this thing where you had to go around Bournemouth in teams uh, and there was like challenges you had to get done. So uh, the challenges were like, take a picture here, down a pint here, get uh, eat the fastest pancake at this restaurant that we had to get to. And like all the, the venues we were going to like knew what was going on. Um, and we were all in the different teams and you, you'd get points for completing different things. And then there was supposed to be a, a, a team that would win at the end. 
and um, you had to take video evidence of it all to so they were going to put a video back together when we got back to the club. Yeah. So we went we went through ours and uh, we were going good. We had a, we had a good team: Matty Williams, you, Blair, uh, a couple of other lads, but but Fizzy P. And one of our last things that we'd left on our list of things to do was get a date on the Bournemouth Eye, which is like a really naff version of the London Eye, like a, one of those spinny round things. <laughs> we'd like left it towards like the end, and this is like we've been going since like ten a.m. So everyone's pretty fed up. Like, how are we going to do this? Like, I think we've gone and approached a few birds maybe and been like, oh, will you go on a date with one of us at the Bournemouth Eye? And they were all like, get like, get out of here, like, you losers. Um, so I think at one point, Jimmy was like, you, you were like, oh, we could always dress snake up as a bird. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and Blair, I remember Blair being like, shit, that's a good idea. So then I got, again, I'm, I'm this is still in my first season. So, I'm very much down the bottom of the pecking order. Don't have much say in this. We went up to this charity shop, like got this like horrible skimpy dress. Someone else went to a fancy dress shop and got a wig, high heels, like the boys dressed me up as a girl. Um, and then Fizzy P, who's like six foot six, six foot seven, absolutely massive. We made this video of me going on a date with him on the Bournemouth Eye. And in the video, you can see people in the background, like the beach was packed on that day. It was like a Saturday afternoon in summer. And you can just see people like turning their heads, watching us like, oh, geez, it was bad. <laughs> We're going on this wheel. We took a few selfies on the thing for, for the competition and um, all the boys were cracking up. It was real good. I remember on the way down, as I was getting out of the Bournemouth Eye, I saw a kid, like a five-year-old kid and his mum, and the kid was wearing a London Irish hoodie. And I just remember thinking like, oh, geez, like, please. Do you reckon Please they knew you were a no. bloke? You pulled it off pretty well, eh? You. Oh, yeah. I, it was good. I was good. <laughs> I was good. But but then, then it kind of became a bit of a thing. And then there was a couple other socials where I went dressed as a woman because it had kind of become a thing. Like, oh, it's a social. It's fancy dress. Like, say, I'm dressed as a bird. Yeah. Um, I did a, for a party, I did a real good, we did a Game of Thrones one. I went as uh, Daenerys with Ben Loder. He went as Carl Drogo. Did you oh, see the picture yeah. of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, geez, that was one of those situations that you get in as a, a younger player in the squad where you're like, I can't say no <laughs> because, well, I don't have a say. <laughs> How was it going around the, um, what is it, the Ferris wheel thing? I just remember being real scared because I actually didn't really know uh, Fila that well <laughs> at the time. Like, I, again, I, I didn't really know him that well. He'd only been there for a couple months and I was obviously not very senior. Yeah, I remember just thinking, like, that's a bit awkward. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, who did you play for before you signed here? Like, uh, <laughs> just sat there and like, oh, cool, cool, cool. You brought your family over yet? Or, oh, nice. Like, it was a bit like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm there dressed as this bird with, like, my ass hanging out the back of this dress. <laughs> oh, classic. Oh, some of the greats. Any more, any more social stories you got for the Waterland listeners? Well, no more that aren't that aren't touch and go. I'd be dropping a few boys in it. I'd have to get permission for some of the stories. Oh, yeah, not that's not cool. I can think of off the top of my head. Mate. There might be a few more that come through on the questions. A few guys have asked some good questions, but before we get to that, what's next for Big Jacob Atkins? What's what's your plans? How how long have you signed with London Irish? Just just come up to the end of a two year contract. Actually, mate, I'm a, I'm out of contract at the end of the season. Gotcha. Um, so uh, normally by Christmas, like uh, as you'd know, normally by Christmas, most recruitment stuff would be getting wrapped up. Uh, all the boys would know what their plans are for next year and stuff. But because of COVID and 
uh, like I said, we're only like six, seven, eight weeks into the season. That, that's all back quite a bit in the UK. So we're kind of, it's almost like the start of the season. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't really know uh, at the moment. Um, I'd, I'd like to stay Irish. I, um, I really like it there. I, um, it's, like I said, it's obviously a team I've supported since I was, since I was young, but also I've got a really good group of friends there that I've come through the academy playing with. Um, I like all the staff. I, I like coming into work every day and um, working with those people. So I'd like to stay there, but yeah, I'm out of contract at the end of the year. So um, hopefully you get some game time and then uh, we'll see what happens. Would you, would you look to go overseas? Um, depends. Well, if you were running the team, maybe. <laughs> or what, or is, are you going to offer me a contract here live on the pod? <laughs> Exclusive? <laughs> Free rent at Mike Coman's house down the road. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that would be a good gig, actually. Oh, that's another Get thing. Stay that... with Mike, play some Tassie. Is it true? You once told um, Kendo that you had a threesome with Mike and his wife, didn't you? <laughs> 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 that must so, this is actually things. this is actually another a good yarn from another social um <laughs> so this will, for anyone who listens to the pod that doesn't know jimmy what he does is he he does this thing where he like lures you into a false sense of security by setting you up to say something stupid and then we'll use it against you for the rest of your life so, <laughs> so i remember like again being, being maybe even on that first social when we were with move being sat there like um no, it was, we'd gone to Moose, the story I was telling earlier, when we'd oh, ended up yeah, back yeah, at Moose, yeah. the next time we went out, you were like, oh, you, you saw Loz at uh, Moose, uh, Moose place, are they like, uh, what do you think, Moose, Moose punching pretty pretty good, isn't <laughs> isn't he like, uh, she's, she's pretty hot, and I was like, yeah, yeah, she's, she looks nice, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And then I remember like Moose coming in like, one day, she'd be like, Snake, I've heard you, how do you mean, trying to go for my wife? And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, Yes, some of the boys have been saying that, that you've got a thing for my wife or something. Like, and at that point, I was like, oh, right, you sent me up a treat. Well done. So essentially, all I'd done was reply yes to a question. But this has now become a thing. I remember after we won the championship, we had we had a lock-in at Hazelwood. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Which is the training ground. We had a lock-in and it was re- like real good. Like um, we'd had the game. It was an even game. And then we'd gone straight back to, to the training ground. And uh, I remember you, I was going to get a round of drinks or something and you were like, oh, um, was it Ollie had just been born maybe? And you were like, can I borrow your phone to call uh, my wife to make sure that everything's all good with the baby and just so I can relax and have a good night or whatever. So I'm like, oh, knock yourself out. Like, here's my phone. I'll go get us the drinks. I think we were probably sat with me at the time. I came back to my phone and you were in stitches, like cracking up. I'm like, fuck's sake why have I done this gone on my phone scrolled through gone on my Instagram messages and Jimmy has sent Mike's wife a message on my account (laughs) I might have to read it I'll try to find it now sent this message and I just remember thinking hey Loz Jacob Atkins here Academy star player at London Irish I love you and always have since the first social last year. I know this might sound a bit crazy, but if you were ever keen to cheat on Mike, then I'm your man. <laughs> oh, and uh, yeah. And then, so that same night I went into the bathroom uh, for a piss and I'm still at the urinal and Kendo, the club DOR, the big boss, yeah. stands next to me at the urinal and just kind of goes, 
Snakey, I heard you trying to fuck Moo's wife. <laughs> I was like, oh, how is this, this? This happened 20 minutes ago, Kendo. How is this spread already? <laughs> oh, jeez. Jeez. What did she reply back? <laughs> she replied back laughing faces. I'll be sure to let you know. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. She's good value, isn't she? Oh, that's classic. So maybe you won't be staying with me if you do come here. It might be a bit awkward. <laughs> but would you would you um, seriously come to New Zealand for a um, contract, would you? So I've spoken to Soph, my, Sophie, my girlfriend, about um, would we ever potentially look at going overseas? And she's real keen for it. We, I think something we both love the opportunity to do is live in Japan, for even if it was just for a short period of time. That's obviously something... Uh, you've done um it just it would be cool to experience something really different yeah um new zealand i've, I've actually never been True. to new zealand or australia i'd love to i'd love to come over um i don't know yeah i don't know, I don't know. i'm real open-minded and i love rugby so i'll go anywhere this good rugby. <laughs> love rugby and a lad how good anyway let's get to um some of these questions because i know Popular man like yourself, you've had a few, few good ones come through. Okay, first question: Are you able to bench press more than your body weight yet? Yes. What's your bench press up um, to? Um, is this is this a bit of a running I, joke? Or are you always poor at bench press? So I was always real skinny. I always used to make a lot of excuses myself in the gym as well. Like I, I'd really struggled with like not injuries, but it was sort of like like long term niggles. Yeah. Like I'd always had dodgy knees and a, a bit of a dodgy back or, or whatever. And I'd always kind of been like, oh, that's why I'm not going so hard in the gym. Mm. And then last last year at Irish, we had a new S&C coach rock up, a guy from Glasgow. Yeah, he's called Derek. And he was just like, fully just like got into me like, mate, I don't care. Like, get this up. Like, you're stronger than you think you are. Get this up. Eat more. And he just texted me through the day like, eat now. Eat now. <laughs> Come in, lift now. It's your day off. Come in, lift. Um, so I actually made some real good progress recently. I've got 140 up. Jeez, that's uh, good stuff. For one. Yeah, I've got 140 up for one. I think my breast probably, I've got 135 for three. Oh. I think maybe it's my best. Jeez. So yeah, I can bench. I don't weigh 136. No, so so. I, can be- I can bench my body weight. Almost double it, I imagine. <laughs> okay, next question. Why do they call you Snaker? Right, this is a story here we go that has since you left taken you had a mind of its own mate it's gone up there's so many false stories out there i've had fans come up to me and try, tell me why i'm called snake and i'm like that is what Massive <laughs> um actually i had this conversation with soph today uh, she was like, she was like uh, you reckon jimmy will ask you about the, the um why they call you snake and she was like oh yeah it's because of this isn't it and i was like no and she was like oh M- matty williams told me that's what it was and i was like no, it's not. There's some elaborate yeah. stories as to why I'm called Snake. Here's your but chance to like, set it straight. Like like all great nicknames that stick, the actual story is real shit. <laughs> it's not exciting at all. So uh, I remember walking into the analysis room at London Irish. All the laptops were taken up. Uh, so I stood in the doorway for a few seconds and Ross Neal got up and went, I'm going to get my notepad out of the changing rooms do not go on this computer i'm still using it so he walked out and i went straight to the laptop logged him out started getting watching my own stuff 
he walked in the door and like Ross is like real dramatic. He walked back in the door and just went, oh, classic snake up and just walked <laughs> off. And I remember you, your, your, your little head in the corner perked up with your black snap back on. Like I remember going away on my thing and I think a couple of the boys left and it was only me and you in the analysis room. And this might've been the first conversation we had actually ever. And you've just gone, why do the boys call you snake? And I'm like, well, they don't. It's just Ross was annoyed at me and runs my name like he's, they don't. You go, oh, they will now. <laughs> and then this is where you're going to have to take over. Did you then go and tell Kibbo to get in on it? Because for the next month, every time I did anything at the club, like, I'd catch a ball, I'd do an acceleration in the warm-up, just you and Kibbo, just, yes, Snake! Oh, Snakey, how good! Oh, like, non-stop free training. Non-stop. And then I remember, like, maybe a couple of months later, I got named in the team for my first start. And Clark, Clarky's going through the team. And he's like, I sneaky, you'll be in at 10. And I was like, oh, it's, official. it's official. <laughs> yeah. And then for two years, nobody called me Jacob at London Irish. True. Not one person. Snake of it is. Um, I thought it was, um, I thought you named it way before that. Well, because you, you heard Ross say it. I yeah. think you obviously assumed that it was a thing, but no, you and Kibbo started it. Oh, what a nickname. What a story. Okay. <laughs> Next question from Ben Loder. Top three bald icons. Oh, Jesus, what a great question. Top three. I think I know one. Who do you think it is? <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if you uh, can. Yeah. Um, in, in rugby or in the world? In the world. Any, anywhere. Okay, 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 okay. Top three bald icons. Top three bald icons. Um, Jason Statham. Okay. Rocks it. Yeah. Makes it look cool. Nathan Lyons. Oh, yeah. Australian cricket bowler, bowling gazza. Yeah. Icon. Um, Johnny Sins. Oh, wouldn't have got that. <laughs> <laughs> nah. And um, last one, oh, like The Rock, maybe. Oh, The Rock. Because like, if, if you're going to be bald, you've got to try and get swole. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Jeez, that'd be a hell of a crew. Oh, I can't believe Ben Franks missed out. <laughs> he would have definitely been in my rugby ball icons, oh, 100%. Okay. Well, let's go your rugby ball icons. All time. Are we saying full board, like brave to shave? Or like, can I count guys that are real receders? Nah, brave to shave. Like you. Brave to shave, right. Ben Franks. Yeah. Straight off the bat. Um, hmm. Felipe Contopomi. Okay, nice. Board, board, board 10. Board 10, yeah. There you go. Kicking guru. Um, yeah. And, oh, okay, Billy Meeks. Billy yeah. Meeks. Very Makes solid. it look real good. Yeah, he does. Good player, good lad. Yeah, Billy Meeks. A couple of good top threes there, Snake. Hey, thanks, boss. Okay, next question. Is Lazarus the goat? Is Lazarus the goat? Well, he's better than your old pony. What was that? The director? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that thing used to go like a wheelie bin, boss. <laughs> Lazarus, the greatest racehorse of all time. Come on. Lazarus is the greatest trotter of all time. I don't know about racehorse. Yeah. There's a few big ones over here. You've got like Red Rum and 
and all those guys. But in carriage racing, he is the go. <laughs> Never be bettered. Won me a lot of money at that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lazarus, what a time. Okay. This one's from Luke McLean. What's the secret from going from a full head of hair to completely bald in under two years? Um, being a battler in a premiership team, gee, <laughs> that, that is stressful. <laughs> I'll take anyone's hair off. Um, oh, Luke McLean, that's a great head of hair, isn't it? Imagine if his one. Um, I always had a bad hairline, so I think he's he's been very generous to me there to say from a full head of hair yeah. to bald in two years. I think I never start with a full head of hair. <laughs> You're born um, with a receder. Yeah, straight up lasagna out of the womb. But <laughs> but I think they say they say stress, don't they? Like can can uh, accelerate going bald. So I might, I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm quite stressed, oh. quite high functioning. Yeah. Well, make sure you talk to someone. Um, has Patty Jackson now replaced Jimmy Marshall as your favourite number ten? Oh. Asking me tough questions here, Jim. This is from Luke as well. Paddy Jackson is a very good lad, a very good player. Um, has he replaced Jimmy Mike? He's not as square as you, though, boss. He he likes to. I've heard him. He's said to me before, like, oh, I can just. I think I can just kick out to the second defender here and then affect the line. And I've just gone, oh, don't do that. <laughs> Stay square. Like I'm, I'm in my head. I'm looking at it and I'm like, it makes sense. Like you, you, if you could get out one more defender, like it makes sense. But then in the back of my head, I'm like, Jimmy's just like, stay square, man. Like don't go back on what you believe. In. <laughs> so for pure square purposes, Jim, I have to say you the squarest bloke ever to play in the premiership. <laughs> square and straight. Oh, okay. Um, do you still think about missing that run out at Headingley? Oh. So that was the best summer of my life, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was, uh, this is a joke about me being Nathan Lyon. So oh, when yeah. um, the summer, the, the, that summer of cricket in England, when we won the World Cup and it went straight back into an Ashes series, like uh, the, I'm a huge cricket fan, like a yeah. massive cricket fan. I've always loved it. But loads of the boys, I managed to get loads of the boys into it over the World Cup and then in the Ashes. So everyone was into it by the time that happened. And uh, the Australian team, when Nathan Lyons bowls, are like, I don't know if, you, if you've watched much of it, but like every time he bowls, you just hear them in the back, like, bowling Gaza! Oh, yes, Gary! Lovely, Nathan! Like the whole time. So boys started doing that to me in training. And it actually, it took away from the snake a little bit. There's, there's some boys at the club that only call me Gary now. Gary, <laughs> Yeah, Curtis Rona every morning, just, Gary, how are you? <laughs> um, but it, genuinely, watching that, watching him miss that run out, and then Stokesy, when Stokesy crashed that one through the covers to win, I cried. Oh. I was so happy. Watching Nathan Lyon miss the run out that whole day, oh, I'm tearing up thinking about it. That was unbelievable. <laughs> oh, let's, well, let's, if, let's get to the New Zealand-England Cricket World Cup final. That would have to be the greatest game of all time. Again, again I cried Tears, yeah. when we won. Um, that was the probably, in terms of, I think I enjoyed the Headingley Test more oh, because it's Australia, it's the Ashes, and mm. like I'm diehard Test cricket. And like, I guess you didn't actually is, win that um, one that other game did you because it was technically you went off down that's what everyone on social media is saying but in terms of actual quality of the game that was the best game of any sport I've ever seen yeah the England New Zealand like back and forth 
all day long. I, I did not miss a ball. Like, sat and watched the whole thing. Um, oh, geez, that was so good. I mean, you guys must have been gutted. Mm. Like, they, they deserve to win that so bad. And also, like, if it was, like, India or Australia, like, I'd be like, yeah, like, oh, you lose because they're all terrible blokes. But the New Zealand team are all such good lads. <laughs> and they seem so they seem so nice. Like, watching Kane Williamson after the final, just going around smiling, congratulating all the England players, like, she felt so bad for them, man. Like, yeah. They deserved, they deserved it. There, hey, number one test team in the world, though. Now. They are New indeed. Zealand. Do you think we, they'd beat England? Get, oh, there's some good test cricket teams, man. There's mm. some good test cricket teams. It'd be interesting to see. Obviously, India just did the job on Australia, the death of Australian cricket. So, it'd be good to see England, India. Then we go against you boys. Then we go against. Uh, Australia in the winter, so I think by the end of the year we'll know. Oh shit! You we'll love your cricket, oh, mate. You should get some of them on the Water Lad podcast oh. if you can. Who would you want uh, in that team? Oh, like the Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor, and that would be cool. But I think uh, Ferguson would go. You know, the guy with the big moustache. Yeah. I think I feel. I just feel like he's seems got some like good, a lad. Uh, diesel stories. Yeah, <laughs> he seems like a lad. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Okay. Next question. Is featuring on this podcast the greatest accomplishment of your career so far? This is from Blair Gowan. Uh, yeah, it's, it's top two. Uh, number one is still um, being sat next to Blair Cowan in the locker room, yeah. Do you, do you sit next to him? Achievement of my career. Sit next to him, yeah. Do you? Yeah. Oh. He puts his kit in my locker every single day and tells me to leave the club. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I move his stuff out my locker, he stares me down and asks what I'm doing. <laughs> He's taken my name tag off my locker and moved it outside the changing room. <laughs> He's wrapped all my kit up in cling film and thrown it in the swimming pool. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> oh. He said to me, so, so he goes to me, he goes to me, we, we had like a swimming pool in the changing room because yeah. we couldn't go use public pools for COVID. He's like, if you put your bag in front of my locker one more time, I'm throwing it in the swimming pool. <laughs> and like genuinely the next day, by pure accident, I'd sat in my locker but put my bag next to his and gone up to go to a meeting. Yeah. I came back, my bag was wrapped <laughs> in physio tape, <laughs> floating in the swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that's good. Stuff. So that's still the highlight of my career. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, does the snake have any relation to Nathan Lyon? Here we go. I've actually, I actually tried uh, messaging him on, him on Instagram. Um, we were during lockdown. The the boys were all getting pretty good, and we were all, uh, you know, I hadn't seen each other for months. So uh, one of the boys had started a thing where uh, you just uh, once a week you have a drink, you down, you skull your beer or whatever, and you go, oh, cheers, lads. Like oh, I want to see this guy down a drink. One of the boys, uh, Dolly, Tom Parton, down a beer and was like, I want to see Gary the Goat chop a beer, blah, blah, blah. So I was then like, can I get Nathan Lyon to chop a beer? <laughs> Send me a video and put it into the chat and ask him to nominate one of the boys. So I started working my way around like, oh, God, how can I do this? How can I get this done? And Benny Meehan is schoolmates with Marnus Labashane, who's in the Australia team. And I was pesting Benny, like, Benny, 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 give me Marnus's number. Like, send him a text, please. I need him to give me Nathan Lyon's number so I can get this video. Please, please. Um, and uh, I, I, Benny was having none of it. It was like, mate, no, I, I can't. Like, that's it. They're not going to like that. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, be really funny, please. <laughs> um, I left a message on Instagram. He's not seen it, but it was along the lines of, like, Gazza, how you going? 
you know, <laughs> take care. Um, just a quick one. You've been nominated to Down a Beer. Like, uh, boys would love to hear from you. Uh, nominate one of the boys when you've done it. Like, thanks. Uh, look forward to hearing from you soon. And then, uh, you never got back to me. So. <laughs> Not related. It's so weird. <laughs> Such a weird <laughs> message. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, couple more. Um, favorite bloke from AASE. Oh uh, yeah, from the Ace program. Ace. Um, my favorite bloke from Ace. There's some. There's some good lads. That program. Like like I said, that program as close as you can get to being a professional rugby player when you're still at school. Um, and the same kind of things as professional rugby go with it. You're a big group of lads. You're together all the time. Uh, there's some good socials and stuff. So there are some some top lads there. Um, probably I'd have to say from my ace team would be Jack Cook, Cookie. Yeah. You obviously played with Cookie. You know, you Kept know he's a legend. Uh, absolute weapon on the piss. Lethal. Um, so yeah, I'd say Cookie best lad. Nice. Okay. And then the best ace moment. Best ace moment from that program. We so we had a bit of a rivalry with the Bristol team, uh, uh, which were Filton College, and we used to go real hard against each other uh, every year. And they'd beaten us, not sat in the semi final in my first year, and then the semi final in my second year, we had them at home, and we absolutely banged them, put like forty five uh, forty five points unanswered on them. It was class. Yeah, we got the uh, yeah we got we got we lost in the next round, but that was the. The playing highlight of my ace career for sure. What a moment! <laughs> what a career! It was magical. It was magical. It's, it's not. It's not been better since. <laughs> oh, what a journey, Snake, and what a career! Obviously, um, like I said at the start, not too many Kiwis would know you, but um, hopefully, after this episode, they know what a lad you are and can follow your journey over at London Irish as you start getting a bit more game time and start breaking into the world scene in the rugby circles because obviously you're a quality player and I'm looking forward to seeing you get your crack um, hopefully sometime soon but really appreciate you coming on the podcast and giving up your time mate thanks Tony give me a call about that contract you were going to offer me later though just Tasman 10 (laughs) thanks Jim sweet mate thanks bro so real quick I have an offer for you from Pure Sports CBD to give you a perfect chance to try this unreal product I reached out to this company because I love the stuff. It's certified for athletes. You can get it anywhere in the world you are listening to this, New Zealand included, and most importantly, it works. So the offer is 20% off. All you have to do is type in what a lad with no spaces with a 20 on the end, 20 in the promo code, and you're away.